Welcome to Shorts Season 2. I'm Jen Thomas. I live in London, UK. And I'm Lizzie Falconer, and I live in Portland, Oregon. We are two long-distance friends who want to talk about what we're reading. This podcast is about how reading short stories can show the world through different perspectives. Today we're reading Mass Effect by Joshua Wales, published on adastories.org. It was shortlisted for the 2021 Commonwealth Short Story Prize. Mass Effect is a story of Eddie and Ivan, two long-term boyfriends grappling with Ivan's sudden diagnosis of terminal brain cancer. The story begins and ends during a getaway the two take to a cabin, with Eddie's perspective leading us through the history of their relationship, the struggles and pain, the inside jokes and the play, and his powerlessness as he watches his partner deteriorate. It's an extraordinary portrait of intimacy and the vulnerability that death brings. We've linked the story in the show notes. So Lizzie, what did you think? Oh, this story was, it feels and is brief and it's painful and strangely darkly funny. Uh, It's beautifully written and it's painstakingly paced. You know, we really walk through these few days with Ivan and Eddie. I don't know if I could have taken much more. I mean, it was after I read it the first time, I had to walk away from it because it hurt in such a good way, in the way that really good writing makes you kind of feel like you can't catch your breath. What about you? What did you think? Yeah, I think the thing that struck me is is how the author paints such an intimate portrayal of this relationship. Even though, as you say, it's very brief, it takes place in a very short um, span of time, this kind of one weekend that they get to, to go away. We understand so much of the depth and the richness of their relationship, the so much of the kind of comedy um, and kind of in jokes and the playfulness between them alongside this heartbreaking fear, loss, pain of Ivan's story. It's it's really rich and really very powerful writing by Joshua Wales. Yeah. And at the beginning of the story, we start immediately off the bat with Ivan having a seizure. And the first sentence is, Eddie starts counting when he notices the familiar hoarseness and irregularity of Ivan's breathing. The doctor said they should find a hospital if the seizures last for more than two minutes. He holds the steering wheel and extends his free hand flat against Ivan's vibrating chest, which feels like it's being battered by turbulence. And then a few sentences later, it says, at 55 seconds, the seizure stops. Ivan wakes up disoriented. And we're right there with them in the car. And the sense of urgency and fear from Eddie is immediately there with us. Yeah. And that counting, so that counting of the seizures is something that comes back again and again through the story. And it's such a clever and simple device because we're already told in that passage that you read that at a certain point, at a certain number, when you reach a certain number, it means this is extremely dangerous and, you know, they have to kind of rush to a hospital. So just that sense of that constant fear And the number that they count to, that Eddie is counting to, goes up as we progress through the story. So as these seizures are happening, the number gets higher and higher. And so there's such a setup here of kind of an inevitable, an inevitable 
kind of bleak ending right in that first line. Yeah, it's so heavy and it's scary. And I, from the beginning, was like, I don't know if I can handle reading this, you know? Uh, it's so, it's horrible to read people declining in this way. But then what the author does that's so smart is he injects absolute hilarious moments between Ivan and Eddie. And you can see their relationship and you can see their jokes and you start to see Ivan not as just someone who's suffering from what we find out is brain cancer, but just a real human being with his flaws and faults. And he's very, very funny. The two of them are very close and it serves the purpose to lighten the tension of the story, but also in the end, make it almost worse because you see what they're both losing. Yeah. And it's, it's really dark humor that we get. So they've sort of there, the, the comedy that we see is, is on a knife edge with the, with the kind of tragedy that is unfolding. So, you know, a lot of what we get from the comedy is kind of reflection or kind of taking the piss out of, out of the, out of the situation. They're not having laughs and jokes about anything else. They're laughing and joking about about the situation, about the about the diagnosis, about being in the hospital. And that means that while they while the author is offering us these these light moments, it's it's horribly dark and you're still in the darkness through the humor. And it's it's it really is on the on the edge of, of kind of what I was able to to cope with as well as I was reading it. Yeah, I love when they have the moment where Ivan is diagnosed. And the neurosurgeon is telling them that, yes, the seizures are from brain cancer, it's terminal. And Ivan told him that he regretted signing up for this excruciating multi-sport Olympic event in which the finish line was just a firing squad. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Yikes. And then there's another, in the learning of the diagnosis, there's another very, very funny description of the doctor who gives them... The diagnosis. Yeah. So they describe the doctor as young, around their age, and aggressively straight. And then they, they sort of talk about, you know, they give him marks out of 10 and kind of what they would rate him. But it says Ivan gave him a six, deducting points for his oversized watch, which was an obvious overcompensation and basic as fuck. <laughs> it's, like, it's so good. <laughs> They're just roasting They're this just neurosurgeon. And Ivan's like loving the power that his diagnosis and the uncomfortable moment and pain that he's watching this doctor kind of muddle through it. And Ivan says to Eddie, if I'd known how much power I could gain from personal tragedy, I would have secretly poisoned you years ago. <laughs> there's just, there's something so telling and it's exactly as you're saying, like it's the intimacy that you get when you can make those kinds of jokes in this kind of situation. You know, there's no... They're not treading on eggshells. They're not kind of dancing around the issue. They understand that they have to confront this and they have to talk about it and they have to address this extraordinarily tragic experience head on. And the the way that they do that is through the language of their relationship, which is this humor. And it's it's really telling about the depth of their intimacy, about the depth of their bond. Yeah. And at this point in the story, I thought, oh, I love these two. I love their relationship. And I was surprised, as we'll see in a moment, some of the revelations that come out about their relationship and its history. But before we get to that, you know, something that you just said, Jen, made me think of the fact 
about how realistic this story is, because when you're going through major health issues and when you're in the hospital a lot, when the outlook isn't good, it cannot all be tragedy. I mean, just as people who are going through that, you know, growing up, one of my best friends who I met when I was eight, her name was Megan Moore, had cystic fibrosis, and she died when we were 24. But we spent a lot of time in our childhood in the hospital together. And, you know, that's an incredibly sad thing to have a child who has a terminal illness. And she and I would run around the hospital together and we would go visit the morgue and we would do pranks, which always scared me because I was a good girl and I was afraid of it. But the reality of like, you cannot, even as a human being with a terminal illness, you cannot always be in this mode of, this is tragic. This is terrible. This is sad. Even when it is, you have to make jokes, you have to find play, you have to find those moments of levity and the dark humor to help you cope. So just thinking about how realistic this author, how he nailed that so well. Yeah, I really agree. And I really think it goes through every element that they describe their relationship as. A lot of it's very relatable and very real and the fact that it's so painful makes it feel more human and more visceral and more kind of intoxicating as you're reading it. I just found myself really, really in this moment with these two characters because of that human heart to the, to the story. Absolutely. And the intimacy as the shared jokes between them and their shared reality. You know, we get a lot of different imagery throughout the story of how they try to physically connect as one person and how they emotionally connect. And one of the ways they do that, like we've been saying, is through these jokes. And so it says, for the past month, they'd made a game of referring to the neurosurgeon by the names of fictional TV doctors, then wondering about him, how he votes in municipal elections, his favorite season of drag race, his preferred sexual positions, the names of his pets, his parents' occupations, his thoughts on dismantling systems of settler colonialism. They aren't allowed to use the same TV doctor more than once. And I love that. Just they've created a game for themselves to get through these excruciating doctor after doctor. They're seeing so many trying to figure out how to support Ivan. What are the next steps? And the way they cope is through this elaborate joke. And the other thing that that tells us is because they've already run out of all of their favorite doctors, they name, they name the doctors they've already kind of used. It shows how, intense this has been because we know that the diagnosis wasn't that long ago and they've already they've already used up all of their favorite tv celebrity doctors so just within the the joke within the comedy you get the sense of how draining this has been how much time as you're saying they've been spending in the hospital how many different doctors and and you know at the end of that section they say they say by now the game feels like a drug they keep doing even though it no longer gets them high they're going through some of the jokes some of the banter they're going through the motions because that's the that's their language that's their language of coping and that's their language of talking about the experience but it's not funny anymore just this endless line of doctors and diagnoses and hospitals it's they just are doing it because that's all that they can do yeah it's their only thing that they can control. And it's another way that the author uses something else 
to show us how Ivan is starting to deteriorate. You know, so as the story goes on, we start to see his seizures get longer and longer by the seconds that Eddie's counting. But also here in this passage, it says, Ivan used Hawkeye Pierce last week, but Eddie let it slide. So we start to see he's forgetting things. And I think it's important that, I don't think we've mentioned yet, that the whole story is told from Eddie's point of view. And really the only dialogue, the only people that we actually hear speak are Eddie and Ivan, which furthers our sense of we are in the middle of this super intense moment with these two. We are in the heart of their relationship. We're seeing how Eddie is watching his partner really change really quickly and try to manage that. Ivan's seizures are at 72 seconds. And we know that two minutes is when he needs to go to the hospital. So the tension's, you know, ramping up. We're starting to see, we're feeling it in the story. And then we hit this crucial juncture in the story. And in my advanced literary criticism, I just wrote, oh shit, next to this paragraph because it really surprised me. <laughs> so we go back, we're, we're with Eddie as always in Eddie's point of view. How cruel, Eddie marvels, that the seizures grip Ivan most often in his sleep. At his most vulnerable, Eddie curls up on the couch to monitor Ivan's breathing. Would Ivan do the same for him? Before the diagnosis, he thought Ivan was on the verge of leaving him. They'd been fighting about small things that were obviously about bigger things. Ivan forgetting dinner plans was proof he prioritized everything else over their relationship. And Eddie declining cocaine in a circuit party with Ivan's new friends implied that Ivan was vapid, frivolous, and forbidden to grow as a person. Eddie wanted a dog, but Ivan needed more time to launch his web series. Their respective good moods started to feel like ships in the night. Passing comments and insecurities found each other like knives and magnets. Oh, well, that changes. Yeah. That changes. And what we've read. That, I think that question right in the middle of the, the passage that you read, would Ivan do the same for him? Is again, it's just, that just hit me. I, I sort of underlined that. And, and then when we were, when I was making my notes, I have it in kind of big, bold letters because it's that vulnerability. So there's a vulnerability that Ivan is facing, which is obviously severe and physical and extreme. But there's the vulnerability of Eddie, who's kind of, suddenly in this role of caregiver you know he's he has to he's watching he's watching Ivan sleep so that Ivan doesn't have a kind of critical seizure I mean it's an extraordinary commitment that we're seeing from Eddie here and there is a vulnerability to taking on that role and a question that he will never be able to ask and that he will never know the answer to of would this person do the same for for me, and knowing that their relationship was deteriorating before this and that this diagnosis just changed everything and put them both in a position where they were utterly locked in step in the relationship, but in this caregiver patient role. It's a real, as you say, it's a turning point and it is a real oh shit moment because you think how you know, this has happened without either of them obviously making a conscious choice, but it it has intensified a chasm between them as these roles have become more entrenched. And Eddie's left thinking, would Ivan do the same for him? Yeah, especially because when I'm reading through this, 
you know, it feels like Ivan is getting mad at Eddie for not wanting to party. He's kind of blowing off some of Eddie's concerns. Like you really feel like Ivan was the one who was kind of out exploring, looking for other things in ways that Eddie wasn't, which makes it even more painful. And I just, these last couple lines in this whole story, the author is able to talk about what it feels like when you're breaking up or when a relationship is ending and you just don't vibe anymore. Whatever you say to each other, the other person doesn't understand, doesn't hear you the way you want it to. And it's just constant miscommunications, constant fighting. And I, oh my gosh, I was like, how did he do this? Like, I need to take a, take a breath and walk away because it's so, it's so real. And it's interesting as they get to that stage and as the story progresses that actually it's in their reminiscing about the early days of their relationship that they kind of re-find intimacy. So sort of in the in the later stages of the story, there is a moment where they they go to bed early and it says, Eddie spoons Ivan tightly from behind while Ivan reminisces about the first time they met. And you just think actually, you know, in that intimacy and in that closeness, it's about they're they're looking back because it's the only direction they have because they can't look forward because the future is doesn't exist for them. So this kind of the intimacy is in the absolute present with these jokes about the the diagnosis and the situation or in the kind of beautiful reminiscences of of when they first met and the early stages of their relationship and actually it's very disjointed to to have to have that and then not have a, a sense of the future and that's what the author is kind of painting us painting for us yeah you're right and when you see eddie trying to help trying to project into the future in the only way he can and so he says things like if you tell a hot waiter your boyfriend just died, he has to blow you in the bathroom. That's just science. And so, <laughs> you know, he's like, he's imagining this world without himself. He's trying to make light of this horrible situation. Yeah. And then later in that same scene, it says, these days, Ivan has become nostalgic, but only in the dark. So during the day, there's the laughter, there's the jokes, there's the funny things. And then in the evening, in the dark, that's where both of them get more vulnerable. Yeah. It's so sad. I mean, it's so painful, even as we're discussing it. It's, it's, this is heavy. This is heavy stuff, friends. But it's beautifully painted. And I think the thing that I loved about it as, as we were reading it and as we're discussing it now is, is how, you're held mostly in their intimacy and in this kind of space between them that exists that kind of expands and contracts over the course of this of this sort of brief brief story and in a way the diagnosis the the terminal um cancer is both absolutely at the forefront of the story and at the same time kind of in the background because the the real heart of it is these two characters and i'm i'm not quite sure how joshua wales has managed to achieve that because you kind of it's 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 masterful that's i hadn't thought of it that way but you're right it, at the beginning we start the beginning of the story with literally a seizure 
and the physical counting. But then through the middle of the story, it's much more about these two trying to manage this diagnosis and Eddie really trying to manage it when he's going running, uh, when he's trying to understand what Ivan's saying, when he's trying to make sense of their relationship, when he's feeling, we also get these moments of him, like really feeling the physicality and aliveness of his own body when he's out running and that in stark contrast to Eddie. And yeah, then the disease, it's not that the cancer fades to the back, but you're right. It's the story of these two. In the end, it's the story of Eddie and Ivan. And then we go into this very strange moment at the end, which I'm not sure what you thought about, Jen, but surprised me and kind of left me a little bit off kilter when they decide to go prank a hospital to see if they can diagnose him. I mean, it's basically Ivan has an idea for a short film, a queer couple. One of them has a known brain cancer. They go from hospital to hospital complaining of a headache or a seizure. Each time the couple tries out different reactions, they wail hysterically or laugh maniacally or sing a duet from Rent or start tearing each other's clothes off or freeze like mannequins or do couples yoga or dance the Macarena. And that's his idea. And then they, then they go do it. Yeah. And it's, I wasn't really sure when I first read this or even when I reread it, if, if the reason they had first gone to the hospital was to enact this story, this sort of short film, silly, crazy idea for, for lols. Or if it was because the seizures had gotten to the point where they had to go to hospital. So there wasn't really a kind of trigger moment where they go, so we decided to go to the hospital. You know, there's a sort of, there's a gap between him describing that short film idea, funny, funny, funny. And then they're kind of at the rural hospital. And you know that he's been looking for signs and he knows he's been counting the seizures. So... For me, there was an uncertainty as to how they, how or why they were at the hospital in that moment, but they don't tell the doctor about the cancer diagnosis. So it doesn't feel like it's a kind of serious, you know, they haven't gone for support with his current condition. So I just, I found it very sort of disarming. And I was like, where am I? Why am I here? What do you mean they're at the hospital? Why? And then as it plays out, you realize that they, yeah, they don't tell the doctor the situation. Ivan has a seizure while while they're there and Eddie just closes the curtain. He doesn't want anyone to know. He doesn't want all the fuss. They don't want to be checked in to this rural hospital. So they kind of leave in the middle of it with Ivan still kind of disorientated from having the seizure and Eddie kind of going, let's get back on the road. It's very, it's kind of absurd, this situation. And I didn't kind of wholly get it. Yes, I I felt I wrote down the timing here is strange because I, I just like you said I felt disoriented. I it would it surprised me that Eddie would want to play a prank like this that involved him being in the hospital more and undergoing more tests knowing that he's been through so much but then I thought, you know, he can almost control nothing now. He this is this is a protest, you know, at least at least now he can say, this will be funny. I'll go to the hospital on my own terms. But do you think it was an Eddie decision or an Ivan decision? I don't know. It seems like an Ivan decision. The absurdity of it, the joke of it. But it's Eddie who has to drive him there. It's Eddie who has to lie. It's Eddie who has to get him through the seizure and then take him away. It's Eddie who ultimately has to answer the phone call from the frustrated doctor. I mean, 
I don't know. To me, it seems like Ivan is just trying. It's like a camp performance. It's like one last, you know, control protest behavior of, oh, I have to be in the hospital all the time, but this is on my terms. I don't know. I don't know. It was really, it was upsetting. I found it like pretty upsetting. Because in the hospital, obviously, because everything's told by Eddie, through Eddie's perspective, we don't get a sense of Ivan playing any kind of prank. Ivan's in the hospital, Mm. he's interacting with the doctor, he has a seizure. And then he just, he's, he's kind of out of it when Eddie takes him back to the car. So it's, it doesn't feel like something that's an empowering move. It feels disorientating and it's disorientating for Ivan and it's disorientating for us. And then you get this absolutely killer conversation in the car when the doctor phones them and, and, and the description is that the, the voice fills the car. So you get the sense that their phone is kind of like jacked up to the, you know, the car speakers and it's sort of booming around them as the doctor is obviously saying, oh my God, we've got your test results back. And this is, you know, we know that something's awful is, is happening. And that, that passage from, of Eddie sort of just responding to the doctors, we don't hear the doctor's voice, but we, we sort of get the sense of what, what Eddie is saying in response to the doctor. And it's absolutely heartbreaking. Yes, they know cancer is not a joke, but they've been confused and struggling. Just two sad millennials who don't know what the fuck to do with all of this. I mean. Oh God. I mean, isn't that the thesis statement of this whole story? (laughs) I mean, what do you do with all of it? Your partner of 10 years is deteriorating very quickly from brain cancer and is going to die. What's interesting is that Joshua Wales, the author, is also a palliative care physician. And so you feel like this author is witnessing, you know, on a daily basis, the experience of this kind of traumatic loss. And he's written it absolutely to the letter in a way that... I could never have imagined and never thought I could feel so related to these two characters who were just trying to struggle and work out what the fuck to do. I listened to a really short interview with the author and he said that I think as a physician, he thinks a lot about death. obviously, in terms of his role as a, in, in palliative care, especially. And he imagines how he would react if his life was changed in this kind of way, how he might react if it was himself or if it was someone he loved and how lives can be completely upended and everything can change in the moment of this kind of diagnosis. And then this, you know, as that then starts to play out. And I think it's really interesting that, you know, this extraordinary intimate portrait comes from a healthcare worker who is processing their own reaction or their own reflections on what it would be like to be in the situation that his patients are in. It's very powerful, I think, to know that about him and to to see what he writes isn't about the medicine and isn't about the disease. It's about how lives are changed and how lives are pulled apart and it's about love and that's beautiful 
it's beautiful to have to have that and for us you and I both to be so moved by this tiny tiny story I think tells us so much about the human condition and that kind of love and intimacy and relationships are at the very heart of 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 what really matters Jen why do you think people should read Mass Effect Ooh, if they want to feel really sad <laughs> <laughs> I think this story gives a really real expression of what it can be to be in a partnership and to feel a deep intimacy in a relationship and seeing how both Eddie and Ivan are trying to navigate this most extraordinarily awful situation shows so many facets of of what it of what that means of what of what a relationship can be and what a partnership can be and i found that very unique i don't think i've sort of read a story that has so so much captured some of the absolutely bananas batshit experience of what it can be like to be in a partnership or to be in a relationship at all how about you i think that we often read on this show stories that are about love at the beginning and or dating or trying to find love. And so what you're saying now, Jen, just really hit me because I think it's true. It's an accurate portrait, spectacularly accurate of a really defined and longer lasting relationship. And I also just think it's a masterclass in using dialogue and brevity to move a story forward, the use of time, and even the name of it, Mass Effect. It's, it is... The story is literally about the effect of a cancerous mass on their relationship. To me, that's what it seems like. And I just think it's a a genius piece of writing. And I think if you want to feel human, if you want to really get into those, those emotions and feel your own humanity, this is a story to read. Thanks for reading with me, Jen.